Welcome to McGonagall's Chronicles, Making Montana Connections. I'm KRTV KXLH anchor Tim McGonagall. Tim Gordon might not be a household name, but when it comes to the world of collecting, antiquing, and appraising, he's among the very best. The Missoula native's passion for the profession started when he was a child, collecting bottles in Butte. It's led him to appraise some of the most decorated collections in the country and the world, including the dress collection at Kensington Palace of the late Princess Diana, the Ronald Reagan Ranch in California, and the Jim Morrison Estate in Paris. You may have seen him on the Antiques Roadshow program on public television. His efforts there garnered him attention as one of the top five appraisers for the popular program. I recently talked with him about his career, including one of his latest projects, which is focused on the works of a Montana legend and arguably the greatest Western artist in history. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Tim Gordon. Well, we're talking with Tim Gordon, Tim Gordon Appraisals. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you come from Missoula. Talk a little bit about your, your background uh, in, in Missoula and mm -hmm. kind of what led you to get into the uh, appraisal industry. Yeah, well, hey, thank you for having me here. Mm -hmm. um, I, I grew up in Missoula, and I, I was born at the hospital there, and so I'm a lifelong resident. Um, it's kind of, you know, Missoula has changed a lot over the years, but it's still, I think, one of the best towns on the planet. Um, I, I got into antiquing when I was 11 years old and into okay. my business. Um, so, so as an 11-year-old, they were uh, doing an excavation in Butte, Montana, and it was during the National Bottle Craze. And so okay. I, I went in there, and they were bulldozing up just thousands of antique bottles. And so uh, we gathered up a bunch of those, and I, I built a collection, and, and then started going to bottle shows and, and became a dealer at the age of 11 <laughs> and never, turned back, never looked back, you know. Yeah. It's, like I was hooked, I was a collector, and and there was money in it for a kid that age, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so. so this is this is something you've always uh, it's always been kind of your your passion, I guess. Yeah, I I've never not done it, and uh, you know I, I think philosophically every human being collects something. Mm -hmm. um, I I don't know what that is, but <laughs> there are those of us who do it a little more than others. <laughs> um, I I you know I think that. There's aesthetics to collecting things. Objects are beautiful. They're artistic. They're historic, and and it's in a way it's it's preserving and gathering people's memories and legacies. It's that's all you know, kind of tied around things and and collecting. So, yeah. So then eventually you go to college, and uh, is is this mm -hmm. uh, what's what's the degree in uh, for? Yeah. For this. Yeah, there there is no degree for this. <laughs> <laughs> there there are a lot of people in auction houses who have uh, art history degrees. Mm -hmm. um, but my I think my education is outside of college. It's starting at 11 okay. and then uh, seeing millions of things over my lifetime. Um, you know, it's you know, later on in my career I became an appraiser and so I you know, I started out with big projects when I was young and it that kind of made my mark in the the world of appraising. I did the collections at Virginia City and Nevada City, Montana. Um, I, I was lucky enough to be selected to appraise the historical contents of Yellowstone National Park when I was a young appraiser. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's, it's a, you know, certainly I, I study. I have a, a big library. I know lots of experts I can call on. Um, but it's, it's just kind of having lived the life and seen so many millions of things. Um, Virginia City, Montana, those collections had nearly a million objects in them. Yeah. 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 And so for the history background, uh, was that something you studied in school or is that just kind of the thing that you learned as, as you went? 
Yeah, um, I, I fell in love head over heels with Montana history. Mm -hmm. And that happened when I was a teenager. Um, a, a lot of the bottle craze that I, you know, going back to when I was a kid and collecting bottles, you would go to ghost towns in Montana and, and you would look for artifacts and you would, sometimes you'd be able to dig on people's property, they would allow you to look for bottles. And, and you can't be in Granite, Montana or Garnet, Montana or Utica, Montana. <laughs> in any of our hundreds of, of wonderful ghost towns, we still have a lot here without falling in love with history. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you have a business in, in based in Missoula, and yeah. I know you've been all over the world, and you go all over Montana, and probably still all over the country mm -hmm. and, and the world as well. Talk about the business, uh, Tim Gordon Appraisals, right? Yeah. Yeah. Timothy Gordon Appraisals, um, okay. gappraisals.com, yeah. and. So uh, what's nice is it's, it's really super eclectic and, and I'm at a point in my career to where we're, we're doing larger projects and, and we can kind of pick and choose a little bit. Um, I always make sure I take care of our, our Montanans first though. You mm -hmm. know, it's all, it seems like there, there are days where I'll just take dozens of calls from somebody who has one thing, like you say you have an arrowhead which I'm gonna help <laughs> you with. Right. Um, I, I enjoy doing that for our Montanans but but yet, you know, I've appraised, uh, like this, just the last few months, I've been in Sacramento, Tampa, um, Atlanta, uh, Cheyenne, and, uh, and then also here at Helena at the Historical Society. Okay. So, so those, uh, you know, I could talk a little bit individually about each of those if you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell, yeah. Me, uh, tell me about these, uh, this recent trip and uh, what, it's, yeah. what it's entailed. Well, last week, Helena, um, the, I was contacted by the, the Three Chiefs Center, which is Flathead, Ponderé, and Kootenai. Okay. Um, and so they had had a fire at the People's Center in Pablo, and, and so they asked me if I would come in now that they're restoring their artifacts and trying to preserve the legacy of their nation, if I would come in and help them further protect it by uh, actually putting values on the objects for insurance. Mm -hmm. and. And oh my God, what what an incredible honor to yeah. to be able to sit there and and you know for instance uh, hold Chief Charlo's vest and mm. and then help the tribe to be able to assign a value to it, and and that's that it, it kind of makes you feel like you're a part of history and preserving Charlo's legacy and helping yeah. you know the nation, you know. Um, let's see another uh, collection I was just in was. Uh, I was down in Sacramento, and, mm -hmm. and there's a major collection of John Dillinger memorabilia oh, down wow. there. <laughs> so they, you know, John Dillinger, he was quite the character. You know, he's, he was a, such an escape artist and, and such a, an interesting kind of brutal kind of, a, of an outlaw guy in the 1930s that they had 20,000 men trying to catch him. Mm. <laughs> and so one of the pieces in the collection that I was appraising is, is actually John Dillinger's automobile that he stole oh, wow. <laughs> and he stole it from a, a sheriff <laughs> and so you know of course right, right. um and then uh you know another kind of interesting project a year ago i worked on al capone's collection okay and how that came about is i was contacted by his granddaughters and so they pretty much had everything that al capone passed away with and okay. and that all went to auction and and my gosh it was you know it hit the press worldwide um, so all of a sudden I, I kind of become the gangster guy, no, <laughs> it just happened to kind of come through the deck of cards that I, that I was doing these recently, yeah. So, some other interesting ones as I was reading about you and looking, looking up your uh, history, you've, you've done work on the uh, Princess Diana dresses at Kensington Palace. Talk about 
Talk about that experience. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's almost an emotional experience when you when you think of what. It, so Diana was was the greatest princess of the last 500 years. Mm -hmm. She truly was more popular probably than right. than anyone. Um, so when she passed away, uh, I I was invited a, a few years later into Kensington Palace, and the main display of the palace uh, were all of her gowns on display. Okay. And yet there there was kind of a I don't know, the, the way that they were stored and the way that they hadn't really been evaluated because it was all so emotional and fresh for the, the people of the world, it, it, it was like I went in to do my inspection on her gowns and it was almost like meeting her. Wow. Um, and there, there are always wonderful secrets come out when you're doing appraisals. Like, like I remember black lighting a gown that, that she had worn. She'd actually danced with John Travolta in that gown. <laughs> And, and when I hit it with a black light at her knee, I could see uh, clusters of five little, ch a child's fingerprints on oh, there. Oh, wow, okay. And I maintained they were one of her two sons. Oh, wow. Did that, yeah. Yeah, yeah amazing. Yeah. Also, uh, Jim Morrison estate for uh, from his death in, in Paris. We, yeah. yeah. Okay, you want me to talk a little bit yeah, about what that? Was that? What was that one all about? Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Well... When, uh, you know, Jim, he, he, okay, so he went to Paris. He had some problems here in the U.S. And so he, he had kind of given up working with the doors. And so he went over to Paris and was writing poetry. Um, while he was there writing poetry, he was living with his, his girlfriend, Pamela Corson, who became his common-law wife okay. after his death. And he, he died tragically in a bathtub one night in his Paris apartment. Well, there was this, this, kind of a huge collection of his writings and poetry and songs, notebook after notebook of it. And uh, hit, so Pamela Corson, his, his common-law wife, took them back to California and put them in a vault. And so they actually, they were in that vault until I was contacted within the last recent years. And, and my God, I, I was given the opportunity to go through as my charge to read them all, mm -hmm. um, kind of evaluate them according to you know their value in, in a lot of ways, but monetarily. And then the way it, it worked out, I'm, I'm the only guy walking around on the planet with hundreds of Jim Morrison's poems in my head that, that <laughs> nobody's ever really seen. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, so uh, there was a team effort with uh, his sister, Anne, and his brother, and with the Corson family, and then with the Jim Morrison estate to get that work out to the world. And it was recently published and put into book form in, in the last January. Wow. So, but to have that in my head, and yeah, yeah. But you know, Jim, what a what a incredibly tragic, but what a what a charismatic guy. Right. His grave at one time was the most visited grave on earth. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah in Paris. Yeah. So I mean, this all you said, you're, you know, the the Princess Diana thing being really like almost being there, meeting her, yeah. and being a part of all this this history. It's uh, yeah. I, it's got to be like a kid in a candy store, or maybe that I don't know. <coughs> the, what it, it would compare to. <laughs> I, I go back to this, Tim. I, I think that, that we're preserving uh, people's memories and, and, and people's emotions almost. Mm -hmm. And you know, like another incredibly revealing, you, know, you, you think you know who these people are, and then, right. then you go into the world and you actually meet them. You know, most of my clients are dead. <laughs> and, right. and you know, one, for instance, what a great honor. I was, I was invited to go to President Ronald Reagan's ranch. Right. And 
And so you, you go into his ranch and all of a sudden you get, you get the big picture that, that uh, he wasn't a showboat, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it, it was just a common man's house, you know, his, his dining room table was his parents' round oak table from the Depression era. Oh gosh. Um, you know, the, the hotline phone next to the bed, well, the bed was actually two bed frames <laughs> kind of wired together, yeah. sort of a thing, you know, so he was a real guy. And okay. he made all of his, you know, the, the most fun I had was praising his Jeeps and his chainsaws because at the ranch he'd make his own fences out of telephone poles and things. Yeah. And he, he was a guy's guy. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. And so uh, your, your current project uh, <coughs> as we do this taping yeah. is uh, in Great Falls at the C.M. Russell Museum. What can you tell us about, uh, about that project? Yeah, I'm, I'm over the moon about it. Mm -hmm. You know, I've, uh, you know, Charlie Russell, he's, he's a god to a lot of us Montanans. <laughs> and, and at one time, you know, at the turn of the century, a little bit later than that, he was, he was the, he, one of his works sold for more money than any living artist had ever sold for. <laughs> so worldwide, his legacy, you know, he preserved the vision of the West. He actually, you know, uh, he, he, he furthered the cause of the culture of the West in many ways, you know. He became a poet on canvas and on page. And, and so, you know, growing up here in Montana, you know, I've, I've had some big museums that I've appraised all across the country. This one is a feather in my cap. It's like, oh my gosh, I, to be asked and honored to go in and appraise the Charles M. Russell, the C.M. Russell Museum collection, it's like, Yes, please pick me. <laughs> I, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, and when, yeah. when you when you go to a place like that, what what can you tell us? Uh, and, and what's what's the process? Because I know you're going to yeah. be there for about a week, right? Uh, yes, what, right. What, what's a typical day like in in yeah. your life? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, first of all, this is being appraised for to protect it. You know, sure. Right? So it, so the museum is doing it for insurance and accreditation and, right. and things like that. It's it's all it's all an effort for everybody to make sure that that things are protected for the posterity. But uh, today, you know, I showed up and and I had my crew with me and uh, there there are several processes to inspecting a painting and. And you really need to look into it. It's almost lo like looking, an optometrist would look into your eye. Okay. <laughs> and so, you know, you'll, you'll look and there'll be a masterwork painting in front of you. And so you, you get the lighting right. You take a photo of it. Um, you, you go in and you make condition notes. And a lot of times we'll use ultraviolet light. So it'll, it'll show if there's any overpaint or, okay. or other things. But, but that's the first process is the inspection. And, and then I'll, I'll take those notes and those photos and even video of the pieces back. And, and I'll, then I do my monetary evaluation. And a lot of that is comparison. You use comparable values to come up with, with the value to protect it going forward in the future. Yeah. Okay. You said you have a, a crew with you. These people work at your shop in, in the... Missoula? Is that well, right? yeah, I have, I have Cassidy who works with me in Missoula, and then I have, uh, I have Asha who is from Olympia, Washington. Okay. And, and so Asha flew in and is a consultant with me, and, and Cassidy is a consultant with me, and, and they are seasoned for, you know, appraisers, but they, have, they bring other talents to it. Um, Asha is a painter, for instance, Asha okay. MacDonald, and so I know at auctions in uh, the Missoula Art Auction, her works go you know, into the thousands of dollars. She's, that doesn't mean anything. She's just a wonderful, incredible, talented artist. But she, she has art background training to know mediums and, okay. and processes. Like we were looking at a painting today and, 
and there was a substance on the surface and she knew immediately what that substance was because of her, her degree in the art world. Okay. And, and then 10 years working sure. alongside me in, on projects. Yeah. And how, how long would you say you've been, uh, you, so you've been doing this since you were 11, but uh, <laughs> yeah. how long have you been uh, making a, a living out of this, I guess? Yeah, I, I think that my, well, okay. So I became a, a dealer throughout my teens and 20s. And so okay. I would go to antique shows and, and then also, uh, you know, the other, other venues, we'll say. But um, I think... I became an expert in the Old West field when I was about 25 to 30. Okay. And so then people started asking advice on, you know, building collections or, or what do I have? And, and so what's nice is I was able to become an expert in that field at that time. And then later on that carried on into my late 20s when I started doing appraisal projects. And, and so after a while I just quit becoming a dealer and I became an appraiser. Um, and it's hard to be in a, collect a collector when you're an appraiser because <laughs> right. it's like, hey, I get to, to play in Kensington Palace and, and, right. and places like that. I yeah. could never hope to afford those <laughs> things. You yeah. know? So. And now you also spent some time on the hit show on PBS Antiques Roadshow. Tell us, uh, tell us about that experience. Yeah, what an honor that is. You know, um, that, that show is, is just so well received by the American public and, and I always look back upon that as, as one of the best times of my life. Mm -hmm. um, you, you know, I, I still see myself, you know, every few weeks on TV, I'll crop up. <laughs> um, but the beauty of that was all the people I met. The, this, you know, being an appraiser or working with people who are in the auction world, it's, it's like, oh, you're my people, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You, you, we can talk the same language about antique and treasures. And and they're they're kind of a fun party group. Yeah. <laughs> they know how to have fun. They're they're good people. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. There, was there any because we see on the Antiques Roadshow huh. some of these uh, just kind of wild things that these people buy for you know huh. fifty bucks at a garage sale or something, and someone like you gets to look at it and you you break the news to them that this is worth a lot more. Is that a pretty common? Uh, Common occurrence there? You know, it, it is. <laughs> mm -hmm. it, it is, and it, and it also cuts both ways. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like, well, sorry that ain't worth so much. <laughs> yeah. um, and and that in, in my career, I run into that daily. And it's usually what, like if I go into a, a private collection, I do a private appraisal. I'm not always in museums. Sure. Um, it's it's all, really surprising. 90% of the time, Tim, the, the thing that is most valuable in somebody's collection or in their home is not what they thought was most valuable. And, and going back to the program you mentioned, that was part of the fun of it, too. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you, uh, um, mm -hmm. you, you go to some of these places, like you've been to Kensington Palace and mm -hmm. Al Capone's estate, and, mm -hmm. uh, but will just, I don't know if the term normal everyday people be able to contact you and have you come to their, yeah. their home or their estate if, you know, maybe say their loved one has passed on and have you appraised that? I do that, yeah. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, I always say I'm a little bit like a plumber. I do it on an hourly basis, <laughs> yeah. and and uh, you know if you're a Montanan and you call me, I'll I bet I get back to you. You know, it's it's something I I love uh, you know helping people with things like this, and and actually I do quite a lot of estate work. So you know there there are attorneys and trusts in the state of Montana who will hire me to kind of come in and help with those projects yeah. Yeah, or estates. Yeah. I also read that uh, you were I, I'm not sure exactly when this was, but that. Recently, I believe you were named one of the top five appraisers uh, by one of the premier publications. What, oh. uh, what was what was your reaction there? <laughs> uh, 
You know, I, I immediately thought of all the other appraisers that I worked with who were probably getting a chuckle out of that. But um, I think that, no, I, you know, seriously, I was quite honored to be named with a group of people that were uh, named. And so, uh, you know, we, we had the Kino brothers and, and, you know, a lot of the people on the road show were in the group with me. There were five of us named. Um, so I, th I think that the writers were looking at my resume because I, I do a lot of big things. Sure. Um, they might, might have ignored some of the character flaws. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, <clears throat> why do you think antiquing is so, so popular uh, yeah. among, among people? Well, yeah, you know, there's a myriad of questions. I, I call it the, the, to me, I call it the world of dead people's things. Right. Because, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, okay, these will, will take you on a time travel back to. And, and so um, it, uh, the timeline of antiques in history and American history or Montana history or world history is a, a sliding scale when you're a collector. You, you, can, you can take that dial back to 1897 and be in another country, or you can, you can go back to Great Falls in 1910, and, and you can see that history in, let's say, a, a Great Falls brewery advertising tray or right. an antique photo. So, so there's a, a fascination. It truly is a time machine. Not to be, you know, it's kind of a, a little bit silly and trite, but it's not. Um, and then when, when you're really immersed into the, the antique world, um, you know, there, of course there's values there, but, but then, then you, you want more of it because it's an escape. It's like reading books almost. Sure. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a good escape from, from whatever. Yeah. Have you, uh, Tim, ever thought about writing a, a book about some of your experiences? <clears throat> I, I have people bugging me about that all the time. <laughs> yeah. um, right now I'm too busy living it, but right. I... Yeah, it, I do write down stories, and and uh, there's a lot of things I can't talk about. You sure. know, appraisers are confidential when they're asked to be, mm -hmm. um, and yet there are just over the top. It's like, wow, that really happened. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there are events that happen to you in in studying you know antiques and history that are just fascinating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've I found working in in news all these years. Uh -huh. uh, it's it's great to meet some of the. I guess famous people and celebrities as they come through town or whatever. But yeah. some of the real stories, some of the best stories, are just some of those, some of those mom and pops that you you meet uh, mm -hmm. doing a story here and there. And I, I would imagine that's probably true for you too. It, you know, it is. Um, I I've met. Okay, so I think over the years, a lot of my clients have some of the most fascinating stories I've mm -hmm. ever heard in my life, and it's yeah. usually about well, my grandfather did this or. Or I remember one time down the down the street, this happened in our neighborhood, and and so like I say, it's that sliding dial of stories and history and and humanity of of antiquities and antiques. Fascinating. Yeah. yeah. So what's next on your horizon? You got any other big projects lined up? <clears throat> well, um, yeah. That you can talk about? <laughs> yeah. yeah um, you know, I I do have some some more museum work coming up. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm kind of working on a media project right now and, okay. and more, more later on that one. Um, that'll be exciting. And mm -hmm. so we'll, we'll, uh, we'll meet with you part two on that one. Yeah, that yeah, sound? sounds good. Yeah. What, uh, what would you say is your favorite, uh, favorite part of the job? Ah, uh, yeah, that's, there are so many favorite parts to this job. Mm -hmm. Probably, um, I would say assisting people to understand what they have in their lives 
and, and how it affects them. Um, and that, that sounds kind of cryptic. It's a little bit off, the, off of the question. <laughs> but, but, you know, when, when somebody comes to me and they have a treasure and they go, please tell me about this, or is this valuable, that connection that I'm able to help them and, and actually bring knowledge into their lives about what they do have. And, and sometimes that's prismatic. Sometimes it reaches back into their, their youth or their, or their families or their communities. Yeah. Okay. And so if, if people want to get a hold of you, maybe to uh, have something appraised. Uh, sure. Or if they just want to get on your website to learn more about you and some of the adventures you've been on, and uh, how can they do that? Yeah, just uh, fire up the Google and, yeah. <laughs> and look for Timothy Gordon Appraiser or go to gappraisals.com. All right. All right. Well, Tim Gordon, thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for the stories. Like you said, we might have to have you back on again uh, one of these days uh, as, as things continue. Please do. I had a blast. Thank you so much, Tim. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate you. You've been listening to a conversation with world-renowned appraiser Tim Gordon of Missoula. You can find out more about his experience and how to contact him for appraisal expertise at his website, gappraisals.com. Remember to subscribe to McGonagall's Chronicles wherever you get your podcasts, leave a review of the program, and follow the show on Facebook and Twitter. I'll be back soon with another interesting guest with a Montana connection. Until then, for McGonagall's Chronicles, I'm Tim McGonagall.